Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're on the Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there for home loan solutions that fit your life. Rocket can. All right, uh, we're going to do a nice little mixture spot. From Thursday's NFL action into Sunday's NFL action, all NFL stuff. He's an Odyssey teammate, our NFL insider at 670 The Score in Chicago. He's also the executive editor of Pro Football Weekly, and you catch him on Westwood One doing sideline work for them on their national games. Hub Arcus joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. I'm assuming your Thanksgiving Day was a good one, Hub? Yeah, it was uh, for all the all the right reasons. We had some of the family here, the ones that weren't out of town with other family, and uh, uh, an enjoyable gathering. Uh, certainly different from last year when we were in the heat of uh, you know all the COVID outbreak. Not that it's gone, but at least uh, we're able to get together. And uh, as you know, based in Chicago, I do some extra coverage of the Chicago Bears, and uh, it capped a. 72-hour clown show like nothing we had ever seen. Um, and, you know, I don't know that it absolutely saved Matt Nagy's job. He might have survived a while longer if they had lost, but certainly with the win, uh, it saved him and calmed things down for another, you know, 10 days, couple of weeks, whoever knows how long. And uh, whether or not he's a good football coach, that is certainly open to interpretation and, and analysis, but he is a good man. And, and it was Thanksgiving, and so uh, it made it kind of feel better for everybody. Now, I was going to ask you, walk-off win by the Bears, all is well in the world, right? Well, not exactly. Um, the report did come out that he was going to be fired immediately after the game. Mark Conoco from uh, Patch.com. Well, that hasn't happened. And as you just stated, it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. Was it one of those where there's smoke, there's fire? Was it close? Was there a change of position or mind? What do you think happened? No, Jody. I mean, the report was asinine. It, it, it was, and the reporter is a former Pulitzer Prize winner, but but, but he has uh, uh, not been as active with uh, uh, recognized uh, publications or journalism groups in, in recent years. Um, it was obviously leaked to him by somebody with an agenda. But uh, you notice that not one of the actual Bears beat folks, people who cover the team or cover sports in the city, picked up on it or wanted to, to really, uh, you know, advance it or publish it because it was so ridiculous. I mean, if you think about it, uh, Guy owns a multi-billion dollar business. Now, I don't care if you're a genius, 
if you're just adequate or if you're completely incompetent. You don't go to your top manager and say, I've decided to fire you, but first I want you to go out and embarrass us all on national TV. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is you and I have known a lot of NFL coaches in our day. You tell me one who told that by an owner would say, okay, sure, I'll go out and coach your team for you Thursday. It just, it, it never made any sense. It was ridiculous. Um, uh, the author of it has since, uh, he hasn't retracted it so much as, as said he believes he possibly was duped. Um, so, you know, somebody with an agenda leaked it and certainly accomplished their purpose because it, it just muddied the water and made things horribly ugly. The thing that is so unfortunate about things like this is that it's not even not only was it unfair to Matt Nagy and his family, his entire staff of assistants, every player in that locker room, you hear something like that, and immediately your futures are in jeopardy. And so it's just, it was horrible reporting. It wasn't true. Uh, now, is Matt Nagy going to lose his job? The odds are that he will. The, 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 the environment in Chicago has become toxic. Uh, the team is not going in the right direction. And, and, and so there are a number of reasons uh, that ownership will have to look at this and say, has he earned another year? The ironic thing about it is nearing the end of his fourth year, he is still a winning coach in the NFL who has taken his team to the playoffs two of the first three years and won a coach of the year award. But there are certain things about his style and the way he runs this football team and where this football team is at that just aren't working right now. All right. Is there a chance? I know uh, they're four and seven. They're on the outside looking into the playoffs. A lot of things would have to go right, break right. But the first thing first is they got to win more games. And they did win the game the other day. Could this be a rallying cry in the locker room? The the players who said we had to deal with this crap and, and Matt hung with us and we found a way to win a game. Could this actually work in the favor of the Bears and Nagy going forward? Well, the other thing that was so unfortunate about this, Jody, is that, and, and again, you know this well, we're in the business together, that there, there are legitimate media, le- legitimate journalists, and then there's social media, and then there's the citizen journalists on social media who claim to cover the team but have never been in a locker room, spoken to a player or a coach, or interviewed anybody live in their lives. Um, uh, and they immediately started looking for ways to justify uh, his firing and started to claim, well, there are signs that he's lost his locker room. There was not a single sign, not a single thing a player said to indicate that he had lost his locker room. And in fact, all indications were that he hasn't. And when you look at the comebacks this team has mounted against the Steelers and the Ravens only to fall short, and then to come back and do it again Thursday against the Lions, he hadn't lost the locker room. But the flip side of that, and answer your question, is, yeah, I mean, you tell me, I, I don't think they would have beaten any other team in the NFL but the Lions on Thursday. Um, uh, I'm not so sure the Lions didn't beat themselves, if you look at the way that game went. And so now we're talking about needing to win at least five of your last six, maybe all six, and that schedule includes the Cardinals, uh, the Packers, the Vikings twice. Uh, yeah, you got a winnable game uh, against the Giants, uh, and then you go to Seattle. I suppose that's winnable. But but it just doesn't seem realistic to talk about that kind of finishing uh, drive with where they're at. And injuries aren't an excuse, but then you got to plug that in. Uh, they're without Khalil Mack the rest of the way, have been without Akeem Hicks for a number of weeks, don't know if he'll be back, have been without Allen Robinson for a number of weeks. Roquan Smith pulled a hamstring in that game Thursday. Um, uh, is going to be out for at least a few weeks. Those are your all pros. Those are your pro bowlers. So to talk about this team now going on a run, it, it just seems unrealistic. Far-fetched. Gotcha. We're talking to Al Barkish from Chicago, 670 to score. Also executive editor of Pro Football Weekly here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, staying in your division, 
the Green Bay Packers. We know all the stuff that's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Now he's playing with a broken toe that he said will get miraculously better after the Packers' bye week. Uh, but he played through it last week. He didn't play badly. The Packer defense did. Let the Vikings go up and down the field against them. Looks like they might get Aaron Jones back tomorrow. So I'm not scared about the Packer offense what happened to the Packer defense? It was top 10 in points allowed and yards allowed. And the Vikings, I thought, picked them apart. I give credit to the Vikings, but that was not a good effort out of the Packers in their defense. What happened? Well, there's two possibilities here, Jody. I mean, either it is a much improved, very good top five, top 10 defense that just had an off day because that's going to happen to everybody, or it was a defense that was playing over its head that was getting some breaks and was playing to its competition because they hadn't really been tested by a lot of top offenses. And I think it's probably closer to the latter than the former. When you study the depth chart, the roster, the personnel, uh, you can just see where the holes continue to be in that defense. And it was stressed by the Vikings. And that's what's going to be so fascinating about tomorrow because the Rams are a team that can come in and do the same thing. I'm not a gambler, so I never really look at the numbers, but somebody told me that the Rams were actually a one-point favorite in Green Bay. How does that happen? You know, it's obviously because people don't trust that defense, and they know that Rams offense can go off at any time. So, uh, And certainly Matt Stafford is familiar with them, having played them twice a year for the first 10 years. Um, uh, but I think they've got some concerns on defense. And then you come back to the offense, you know, it really is impressive what, what Aaron Rodgers and, and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and, and, and uh, the Dillon kid, A.J. Dillon, have done, because that's pretty much it. That's your playmakers on offense. Without David Bakhtiari, who may have been the best left tackle in, in football before the injury bug hit him and the ACL that's kept him out to this point this year, they had hoped to get him back last week, maybe this week. But then last week, they lose Elton Jenkins, who was the guy who was holding down the fort. Once you get past those two, there isn't much on that offensive line, and now you got Rodgers running for his life on that toe. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not a good picture. Jenkins, of course, tore his ACL. He's now done for the year. Um, so they've got a lot to overcome. But all that said, you know, if you don't learn from history, you'll never learn anything. And I don't bet against Aaron Rodgers and Lambeau. You know, I mean, I, I think it's a fascinating ball game, and I can't wait to see it. That's going to be a good one tomorrow. Another one that I'll be fascinated on because I can't figure this team out. We know the Packers are only by the Cardinals in the NFC in record. Well, the team sitting atop the AFC in record is the Tennessee Titans. And they're almost a touchdown underdog tomorrow against the Patriots. I know they've got injury issues, but they've been playing without Derrick Henry for a couple of weeks. Julio Jones out. Now we had A.J. Brown to that list. That kind of takes your offense apart. I get it. Uh, are, are the Titans just like a paper tiger right now? Standing say they're the team to beat the AFC, but their lineup doesn't necessarily look like it. You know, Jody, I thought they were done as soon as Henry, not done, but but I thought they would struggle and, and, and you know, fail to beat good teams as soon as Derrick Henry went down. And what do they do? They go into Los Angeles and pound the Rams. To me, that was the most stunning game of the season. Uh, won another one after that. But then they get upset at home last week by the Texans. Why? Because Ryan Tannehill threw four picks. They turned the ball over five times. Um, they, they can't really run the football now without Derrick Henry. They have to rely on Ryan Tannehill. You take away both A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, You know how much is left. The defense wasn't special to begin with. Harold Landry was the one guy playing well over his head. You know, they spent a lot of money on Bud Dupree, and he's now injured. And so 
Um, yeah, I just think it's caught up with them. It's kind of what I said about the Bears, not that I'm comparing the two teams, but when you take all the playmakers, all the top talents away, the injuries do matter. And now you're going into New England where a lot of people think the Patriots may be the best team in the AFC right now. I, I think it's a little early to anoint them with that. Uh, the defense is obviously a top five defense, and you know that's Bill Belichick's world. Um, and, and offensively, we knew the day of the draft that Mac Jones was the most ready to play of the rookie quarterbacks. I still don't think his ceiling is as high as any of the other four kids drafted in the first round. Um, but right now, you can't dispute what he's doing, and, and Josh McDaniels knows exactly what to do with him. So you've got a really hot Patriots team going in one direction and a really struggling Titans team. And then, of course, the last piece is you know the Bill Belichick front office tree isn't bad. Guys like uh, uh, John Robinson in Tennessee and certainly the job Scott Pioli has done in a few places and, and, and Thomas Dimitra, uh, you know, these guys have done pretty well, but the coaching tree has struggled. Matt Patricia was a disaster. Josh McDaniels was a, was a farce in Denver. And then what he did in Indianapolis a couple of years ago, that the league may still not forgive him for, um, you know, his other coaches have struggled, but Mike Vrabel may be the second best coach in the AFC right now behind his boss. So you've got right. that matchup too. And, you know, they know what to do to each other. But again, you're going to put your money on Belichick or Vrabel. So uh, it is an interesting game, though. All right. Uh, I want to take it off the field for a second. I know you were at the Bears game uh, on Thanksgiving. You probably caught some of the Raiders and Cowboys on TV and then the uh, Thursday night game as well. All three games, the Titans, Cowboy, the Raiders, Cowboys more than any, but all three were penalty flag strewn, just one after the other after the other, and it made it a very tough watch for a guy like myself who's only been watching it for sneaking up on 50 years. Guess what? They got the highest regular season number that they've gotten in 30 years on the Raiders and Cowboys despite the unbelievable amount of penalties that were called in that game. Does the NFL have a referee and or adjudicating problem? And if so, do they even care if they do numbers like they did on Thanksgiving? Well, you know, Jody, I don't think they have a referee problem. I think they do have an adjudicating problem. And I, I appreciate your pointing out the difference because it's a very real difference. I mean, I think these officials, you know, do the best they can. And it's an exceptionally difficult job. And most of the time they do a great job. The problem is they've been handed these rules that are so gray that there's no black and white in them. And, and so there's so they have increased judgment calls. It feels like by 50, 75% in the last few years, you know, the absurdity of this taunting business, the, 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 the inconsistency on what's offensive holding and what isn't, um, uh, you know, roughing the passer has become a joke. They might as well just, you know, make it touch football on the quarterback and so it's called differently every week. You know, it's interesting you point out the TV numbers, but I think realistically what would be significant is how many people turn back on next week. They got the numbers on Thursday because people had turned the game on and they stayed with it. Uh, but having seen this horrible officiating, it's going to, it, there, there's going to be attrition at some point. And so, yeah, the league cares about it. Uh, I think the problem that they have is that they've got this uh, – uh, protocol, I guess I'll call it, that, that when these things arise, because part of the season has already been played and they want to keep the fairness and the balance, they don't deal with it until after the season. So most likely, they're just going to let this continue through the Super Bowl, and then I promise you at the owners' meetings again, you'll start to hear about the things that they're not going to try and fix because they do have some real problems. But it's not with the stripes, it's with the, the, the rules that they've given them to regulate. 
Agreed. And uh, everybody screams at the referees, but the referees are just doing what they're told to do. And, yeah, I think it's a league and a rule problem much more than a referee problem. All right. Uh, we right now, in my estimation, don't have a beast in the NFL. The Cardinals have the best record, but they've got injury issues. We'll see if they get healthy tomorrow, see if they can roll. Never been there before. Um, like I mentioned, Tennessee's got the best record in the AFC, but they seem like they lose a superstar player every single week, and I'm not sure how they're continuing to stay at the top of the AFC. There's no real beast team. I don't think there's a real beast player either. So who's the MVP of the NFL as of right now? Oh, wow. Uh, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the Cardinals are for real or not, but we know they're not without Kyler Murray. Um, uh, you know, I, I look at the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers has got to be in the conversation because the Packers are probably a 500 team if that without him. Um, uh, I'll tell you, Dak Prescott, I've, I've, I've been late to the party on him. I've always felt he was a tad overrated. I still feel his team is tremendously overrated, but Dak Prescott is not. You know, he, he's become a special quarterback. Um, and then you look over on the other side, um, uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, the Colts may be uh, the beast in, 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 in whatever you call it, gestation. I mean, you know, they're coming now. And that kid is having an unbelievable season. Uh, I look at some of these other AFC teams, uh, um, you know, it, it is hard to say, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes can't really be in the conversation with the up and down that he's had. Uh, Josh Allen was until a few weeks ago, but you can't look at the roller coaster he's been on and say that he is. So, um, it's a great question, and you you probably end up back at the goat because if there is a beast, it's probably going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I still look at all the talent on that roster, and, and yeah, Brady had a bad game two weeks ago, but but you know Tom Brady at forty four is arguably the most valuable player in the NFL right now. He is the Vegas favorite as of right now, but there is no really hard and fast favorite, which means much like the races in the division that put a playoff spot, the MVP race should be a lot of fun the last seven weeks of the season. We will certainly get you on before we get to that last week of the season. Hub, thank you very much for coming on with us tonight. Glad you're here. Oh, the one other question I had. I know you're a Michigan man, so I know you were celebrating today, but the city of Chicago... More crying in their beer, uh, Buckeye fans, or more celebrating maize and blue guys like you? Who's got a bigger fan base in the Windy City, Ohio State or Michigan? Well, Jody, not only am I a Michigan alum, but, but Jim Harbaugh is one of my older friends in the business. Uh, okay. I had just moved into the Bears broadcast booth the year that they drafted him in the first round. Um, and, and we did get close over the years. I haven't been as close to him lately since he's been up in Ann Arbor. Um, but, but, you know, just couldn't be happier for, for him and, and for the program and everybody in Ann Arbor. It's been a long dry spell. There's an interesting statistic about that relative to Chicago. And it's not my bias because I'm a Michigan guy, but there are actually, believe it or not, more Michigan alum in Chicago than there are in Detroit. And, and, and it is, it is, a heavy Michigan city. Um, uh, the Ohio State fans are here, but I don't think anybody would argue if you're just asking for a poll of, of you know who has a bigger following around here. It is definitely Michigan. Okay, yeah, then uh, feel free to celebrate with the masses since you've got so many of them there in Chicago. Enjoy the party. Thanks for coming out with us tonight. We enjoyed talking to you, Hub, as always. All right, Jody. Take care, man.
Abarkish, the executive editor of Pro Football Weekly, insider for 670 The Score in Chicago, NFL, and sideline reporter for Westwood One, our guest. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 